characters, and thank you for joining the viewer today. Today we'll be discussing chapters 16 through 30 of A Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. And in case you missed it last time, we had Ariel and Thomas on, Ariel our producer, Thomas our sound engineer, and we decided we wanted to have them again because it was just so exciting. And so I just kind of want to start off with saying, how was everyone's day today? I mean, I know we all saw each other at work, but Thomas, of course, didn't come. <laughs> not. I was busy getting yelled at. So you walk in, they have two dudes uh, squeezing a pin. <laughs> it's one of those electric pins that, like, shock you. You're talking about? <laughs> yeah, no. It was too much to explain everything. Okay. <laughs> Don't tell me this. You know what I'm talking about, though? Yeah. They were playing with that, and they're like, I can't feel it. Because their hands are like leather, so they can't feel it. So they hand it to the, the cashier, and she's like, woo. And then she hands it to me, and then I'm like, woo. And, like, obviously it's going to shock me. And these two dudes look at me, and they're like, did you feel that? And I was like, yeah. They're like, you're a pudding. You're a pudding, boy. And I was, like, looking at him, like, exactly like little Terry on Popeye's. Just like, he's like, go on, hit me. And I'll show you what a pudding ain't, bitch. <laughs> what? Completely unprompted. So not only did you get called a pudding, you I got called a bitch. bitch. Called out by like this old ass man. Because you can. He really said, go on, hit me? Yeah. I, I didn't know what to do. No. Did you hit him? Oh. <laughs> I had the pheasant. <laughs> age. Like, if you had to guess his age, like, we're talking. Hmm. That's just so <laughs> particularly old. Could you take him? Absolutely. But that was um, a very humbling experience. Great way to start your day. Well, thank you for sharing, Thomas. Um, <laughs> so today we're going to start with Chapter 16. But before we get into that, I guess let's talk about what happened in Chapter 15, just to catch you up. And Chapter 15 was basically... The Naga came, they saw, they conquered. Not really. <laughs> exact, like, the exact opposite, actually. <laughs> yeah, so the Naga came, they got hit um, by Tamlin, Tamlin and Farah. You know what, let me start the summary over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, chapter 15, we left off with Farah and Tamlin kind of defeating these Naga who had come after her. After she had found the cereal and captured the cereal and found out what she didn't want to know, which was that there were no loopholes and she would not be going home. She was told to stay with the High Lord. Then she found out that Tamlin was, the, in fact, a High Lord. And then after Tamlin helps her kind of get rid of the Naga, they go back to the manor. And that's where we left off. So, can I just say, oh boy. These chapters were uh, spicy. I've never read something so spicy. <laughs> Ariel <Your> was... Eyes. <laughs> okay, was... but Ariel reads nonfiction, so if you would have, I think I would be a little bit concerned that that's what people are writing about. Would just be scientific. <laughs> no action. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ariel was sitting in the office going... Oh my god, that was so spicy. She kept describing their muscles. And then Paige and I were like, oh boy, you have no clue what's coming up. So? 
So chapter 16, she's now back in her room and she's drinking hot chocolate. Feyre starts asking questions about the creatures that are breaking through the borders into the spring court and she asks, why aren't the other High Lords keeping their subjects in line? And she mentions learning about Highburn, but Alice is really quick to shut her up and tell her that none of it is of her concern. She bites back saying that it is her concern considering her family is human and is in that realm and that it will be affected. Alice tells her that she knows what she went to catch in the woods that afternoon and that she's stupid for doing it. We learn that Alice's sister and her mate were murdered 50 years ago and she is now the guardian of their two young boys or younglings as she says. She says that they're somewhere far away. We learn that younglings are hard to produce and adulthood isn't reached until 75. In the dining room, Lucian and Tamlin are already waiting for her. Lucian gives her a half-hearted non-apology. Apology. We learn that fairies can lie. And that iron doesn't affect fairies like we originally thought. They lied to humans about these things for their survival purposes, but Tamlin and Lucian haven't lied to her willingly. Tamlin says that he knew she went to catch a cereal... And he is like, OMG, a human girl actually called a cereal. And he's mocking her. And he reads the words that she wrote down the days before from the missing paper from the study. And she leaves the dining hall immediately. He stops her, though, and he says that she's too good for her family. And then we learn that some fairies fought on the human side during the war. And Tamlin was a child at the time. He says that her family doesn't have any memory of what happened to her a few days ago. They think that she went away to a very wealthy aunt to help her while she's on her deathbed. He altered their memory, and he had warned them about a possible threat. She's like, what's left for me now that I don't have to feel my pr promise? And then she tells him that she likes to paint. Um, so, commentary for this chapter. 20-year age gap? Gross. 500-year age gap? Yum. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly we're into it. <laughs> yeah, because like... He was a child during the war over 500 years ago. Get out of here. What is with, like, these old-ass men staying young? Like, their minds are so much older. You know, that's gross. But anyway. And then whenever she tells him that she likes to paint, he smiles at her. And she's like, this is the best smile ever. I don't, okay, do you have, how is it actually phrased? Because I don't think she goes, this is the best <laughs> smile ever. <laughs> well, she's like, I don't know, she's like, and then he smiled at me. And it was the most beautiful smile I've ever seen. There's a lot of beautiful things for her. Apparently. Wait a second. <laughs> you know what's so funny about that smile is I think I have it included in my notes right here. She says, he smiled at me still broadly and without restraint or hesitation. So it was like, okay, a cute, like, okay that's the first genuine <laughs> smile I see. <laughs> Mal, I'm going to give you a heads up right now. These chapters are going to be a lot of me defending Tamlin, I think. Because, like, this is when you start to like him. This is when you're like, you know what? There's, there's a somewhat genuine man underneath the brooding asshole, so. Well, chapter 17, she dreams of the cereal and she hears screams from below. And they're real screams. They're not from her dream. She runs out, and when she opens, when she sees the front door of the manor, it bangs open with a screaming fairy and Tamlin carrying him over his shoulders. This fairy was a was huge, and there is blood everywhere. It has black stumps protruding from its shoulder blades. They are they clear the table. 
And then she sees that this fairy isn't wearing a mask. Scouts had found him dumped over the borderline. He's from the summer court. He's crying, my wings. She took my wings. His wings had been ripped off and Farrah is trying to help the fairy calm down and he, um, while he sobs. Farrah tells the fairy that he'll get his wings back. And when Tamlin begins to recite a prayer, that's when the fairy dies. Tamlin says that he must take care of the fairy alone, despite Farrah insisting that she can hold her own. And Tamlin asks why she cares when she hates fairy so much. And she responds, because I wouldn't want to die alone. And everyone deserves that. She also says that she regrets what she did to Andrus, regrets the hatred in her heart, and wishes she could undo it. She watches every movement he made, the muscles in his body visible through his tunic, and Tamlin carried the fairy off. Did you add that note after Ariel said something about no, her describing his that's muscles? What's crazy is that I added that days before, and I just now saw it in my notes. <laughs> because <laughs> like this is such this sad moment like this fairy is crying like he's like my wings she took my wings it's truly heartbreaking and the pivot to oh my god this fairy and then oh my god his muscles <laughs> it's like immediately like, she's like his muscles are visible through his tunic first of all we know how i feel about tunics i hate them <laughs> And then to see muscles rippling through that tunic, get out. I have that exact note, Mal. I didn't notice it there, but somewhere in here, I have a feeling it's going to be a way later chapter. Um, I literally wrote Mal in tunics. <laughs> because they disguised someone else wearing a tunic. Well, also, when Tamlin keeps insisting that he's got to take care of this on her, on his own, she can't help him. She can't even hold her own. That pisses me off so much because she's proven time and time again that she can, in fact, hold her own. It's like she just caught the surreal, which is something that not a lot of people can do. And she killed a fairy. Well, he tells her where. So in chapter 16 um, is whenever they start talking about pain again, when she's actually like, oh, well, actually, I'd like to I'd like some paint to be able to paint and things like that. She offers to work for it. To, like, help around the mansion, to do things, to keep her own kind of thing. And he tells her, you'd be more of a hindrance. She says, I can work. I can do things. Can I help? And he straight up tells her, you'd be more of a hindrance. You'd just be in the way. Is it that he wants to take care of her? No, I really think <clears throat> that he doesn't think she can hold her own. Yeah. I don't think so. Um... I don't think it's so much in like a you're a woman, you can't do anything way. I think it really is a you're a human and you're going to wind up dead kind of thing. Which like also bad because she's obviously very capable, but at the same time, like kind of sweet, kind of good intentions. A little bit, just a, just a little. I don't know. I don't know if I like to be protected or not. <laughs> you don't know? I think I kind of like no that idea. sense of danger. Like I might, might be sliced at any moment, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, uh, chapter 18. <clears throat> the next morning, she wants to find Tamlin and truly apologize for Andrus, but Tamlin points her out the door to a bunch of horses. He starts to ramble for the first time, like, because before we remember, he wasn't saying anything but yes or no answers. <clears throat> and then he offers to take her for a ride, not hunting, no Naga to worry about this time, and she agrees and goes. 
They sit on a grassy knoll, and she swears that she hears singing. And then Tamlin explains that this place is the Glen, and she thinks it's the most beautiful thing ever. He asks if she likes it, and she's like, yeah, and then reveals that she knows he's the High Lord. And she starts to lighten up and make jokes during this moment. Tamlin says he wants to show her something. He takes her to a sparkling silver pool. It's not exactly water, and it looked like starlight, because it is starlight. He tells her to jump in, and she's like, a swim? Unclothed? And alone? He starts to unbutton his shirt, but then she says no, and he stops. Consent king, right? Um. <laughs> Thomas is left. Farah <laughs> uh, asks if Lucian is alright, because he hasn't really been talking much, and then Tamlin says that Lucian has a past that makes moments like those from the night before difficult. He's the youngest son of the High Lord of the Autumn Court, which is cutthroat. His brothers only see each other as competition, since the strongest will inherit the title. It's the same throughout all of Prithian. Lucian fell in love with a fairy that wasn't a high fae. Guys, I wrote it down as high fat. (laughs) Sour cream. And he, he said he was going to marry her, but his father had her killed in front of Lucian while his two oldest brothers held him back. Lucian left and abandoned his title and walked out. Three of them went out to kill him, and only one returned. One Lucian had killed, and then Tamlin killed the other. So now he's an emissary for the Spring Court. The starlight is apparently enough to make a person happy into their last breath, but Favor's like, I need more than just a sip of that. Tamlin asks what would make Favor happy, and she doesn't know. She is going for a swim now, so she takes off her clothes. And Tamlin studies every inch of her. And then he removes his clothes, and she likes the way he looks. And then they swim. What do you think of that, Thomas? It's great. <laughs> On the way back, she thanks Lucian for the advice for the cereal, and he tells her that he learned the first shot was to save the cereal's life. And he was really impressed with that because no one else would have bothered to do the same. He also admits that he had heard her scream and he hesitated. And then that's whenever he gives her a knife and says, this is what you can use to protect yourself. I think it's really important, and like you included in your summary, but Tamlin asked Feyre, what would it take to make you happy? And her answer is literally, I don't know. I think that's kind of how a lot of people feel, though. Um, my comment here is Tamlin being open and honest and communicating. What is this? I know we really went from him saying like, yes, no, yes, no. Yeah, it's like actually having a conversation. <laughs> to like rambling yeah. in a conversation, like trying to get her attention and like all this kind of shit. Also, another, another mark in the badass column for Feyre, she taught herself how to swim. Oh, yeah. Like, she's telling Tamlin about she literally just jumped in this fucking lake and watched the people around her swimming and was like, well, I'm either going to sink or I'm going to swim. I need to do that. Shut up. You still don't know how to swim. That's crazy. You know people just throw their kids in the water and, like, wish them the best? I need someone to throw me in the water. I mean, I'll do it. (laughs) Strong high fat. High fat. (laughs) Strong sour cream. (laughs) So at this point, I think Tame Tamen, Tampon. <laughs> I think Tamlin and Farah are both starting to kind of like change for the better, and him being like 
communicative, like actually holding conversation stuff. But this chapter is the beginning. I think that we see Tamlin starting to be more like open and talking to Feyre and like being into this. But also Feyre starting to be like a lighter version of herself as well. Like the beginning of this chapter. I don't remember the joke she made, but she makes some joke. And Lucian's like, I might die of surprise. You made a joke, Feyre. Yeah, it's whenever she's like, Viserys said I could scratch you too. We're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That is kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, because she calls Tamlin High Lord, and he's like, oh, the serial didn't tell you anything of importance, did it? She was like, it also told me that. Um, you like to be scratched behind the ear. Or something yeah, like something that. like that. Like, all I have to do to get anything from you is to give you a good scratch behind the ear or whatever. Chapter 19, the next day, her paint supplies arrive. She's finally going to paint Ariel. Finally. And he takes her to the gallery that he had originally shut off, and she finds it so beautiful. Again, here we go. And then she's crying because it's so wonderful. My comment <laughs> here was, I laughed. That's it. Because because it was so beautiful. What was so beautiful? The art gallery that he took her to. Um, she thanks him, and then he says that she can go in there anytime she wants. She stayed for hours, and then after lunch, she begins to paint. Weeks pass, and she paints almost all of the time. She never lets anyone see it, though. Occasionally, she breaks to explore the Supreme Court with Tamlin, and then there are days when Tamlin is called to deal with the threat at the border. She didn't really think of her family, because her family is, like, glamoured now. Um, the mortal world has moved on without her. That made her stop painting. She starts to think that Tamlin had let her forget them. Painting being a distraction to keep her from complaining or to stop her from asking about the sickness that is spreading. And she had stopped asking. She walks into the garden and Tamlin comes behind her saying the garden had been a mating present from his father to his mother. He then says, you seem upset. <laughs> Your hair is clean <laughs> um and she says that she feels guilty for leaving her family behind my comment here was and what dying instead because like that was her other option right she says that she's sure her problem seems so small to what is actually going on but he says no no if it grieves you it grieves you and then he kisses the palm of her bleeding hand because she's been holding a rose and squeezing it the thorns into her skin and then her core and between her legs apparently start pounding <laughs> from a kiss on her palm. <laughs> and then he says, don't feel bad for one moment about doing what brings you joy. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just so funny to me because when I was reading it, it was so cringe to hear that for the first time. Because like in my family... Anything to do with, like, that kind of activity was taboo. Like, you didn't talk about it. That that didn't happen. Like, people don't do that. So, like, to read about it and, like, people being so open about it, I'm like, Ugh! Like, gross! Because I don't, my, my mom still thinks I'm a virgin, so, you know. <laughs> I'm 23. You live with your boyfriend and your mom thinks you're a virgin? Yeah, I tell her I'm a virgin all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Mom, I don't even know what sex is. <laughs> you know, like, as far as I know, he doesn't have any parts. So. <laughs> That's brutal. Uh, 
Uh, she doesn't know why Tamlin's being so nice, but he says, basically, since you are mortal, your joy is fleeting. And then he kisses her cheek and says that one day there will be answers for everything, but not until it is safe. And then she noted a change between her and Tamlin. Obviously. Because she went from hating him and, like, them not really talking to each other to suddenly... Baking between her legs. For him. <laughs> Core pounding for him. And it's like... Anyway. So she noted this change between her and Tamlin, and then she's out in the woods, and then she says she feels a presence behind her. She had made a snare, and the High Lord fell into it. And he's dangling up in the air, and she's like, that's what you get for stalking me. And then she runs a finger through his hair, and he leans forward, and then he purrs. Whoa. Gag on a stick. Whoa. He uses this as a descriptor a lot. He purrs frequently. So does she. It's, it's weird. It's disgusting. Like, I, I guess I get it for him because he's, like, he can turn into an animal, but it's still gross. Like, I don't want to know anyone purring in my ear. I don't want a grown man purring. Your Tamon, Tamlin Tampon, uh, Tamana Ding Dong, purring. Like, <laughs> get out of here. Um, and she starts to wonder sexual things about him. He lands, and then they chat, and then he gives her poems. He wrote these love poems for her. And at the end of love, every line... Love poems, question mark? Yeah, that's what he calls them. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. No, he said they're not good for love poems at all. I don't know what he calls them. Because that's what they are. They're, they're not, not good for Your words poems. are not good in, for love poems, but that's what he attempted to write. He later He wrote it. sexual <laughs> limericks. Uh, but anyway, he writes these poems for her, and at the end of every line is one of the words that she had written down a few nights ago in the study. And that gets her. She's like, oh, yeah. This is the one, you know? <laughs> That's kind of cute. Again, gag on a stick. I'm going to page on this. It was a little bit cute. Uh, he tried. He tried. He tried. He tried. <laughs> we learned that his father was just as bad as Lucian's or worse, and that they kept slaves. His mother loved his father so much that she wouldn't say anything badly about him. We learn that he can play the fiddle. Not only a fiddle, a mean fiddle. What the hell is a mean fiddle? Think about it. You can play a mean fiddle? Ain't no fucking way. No, people people say that. That I they can play, play a mean, mean fiddle? How many, how many times have you heard, I can play a mean fiddle? Too many times to... to get out. <laughs> get out. <laughs> like, I, I get like, oh, I can play a mean violin. <laughs> Can't even get that. No, that doesn't, that doesn't fit as well. I can I can play a mean. You just shouldn't be saying that. I feel like it's a curse word. Mean. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're fine with everything else that happens in this book. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Anyway, his power kept growing, and then he couldn't hide the fact that he was about to become the next High Lord. But luckily, his family was killed by another High Lord of an enemy court, and he was spared. And he really only mourned his mother. In the woods, she sees that there are fairies building unlit fires. And we learn that it's for Kalanmai, or Fire Night. In the woods, she sees that there are fairies building unlit fires for what we learn is called Kalanmai, or Fire Night. It's a spring ceremony, and they light bonfires, and the magic they create helps to regenerate the land for the year ahead. And there is a very fairy ritual. Fairies from all territories come. Then he tells her that she is not invited to the ceremony. They start to walk back, and then something changes. And suddenly he tells her to stay hidden no matter what. Don't come out. 
We learn that he's glamoured her where she hides, and Tamlin and Lucian start speaking to something or someone invisible. It gives him a warning of this woman saying that she wonders why he hasn't given up yet. The invisible thing says, though you have a heart of stone, Tamlin, you certainly keep a host of fear inside of it. Don't worry, all will be right as rain soon enough. After they order it to leave, it goes, and they ask what Feyre had heard whenever they get her out of the hedge that she's hiding in, and she said nothing that she understood anyway. And then we learn that the thing that was there and had flown over her was called the Adder. Comments? Questions? Concerns? Derogatory remarks? My only, like, my main thing from this chapter, I think, and you already mentioned it at the beginning, um, but she asked Tamlin, like, why why do any of this? Why are you doing this stuff for me? And his response is, because your human joy fascinates me the way you experience things. Like, even when he's trying to be sweet and doing things for her, it still kind of feels selfish in that, well, I get enjoyment out of it because you as a human fascinate me. I don't know if he does any of it for her, really. That was it. That was, that was the end of my comment. <laughs> Chapter 20. The next day, she is still scared of the adder and tries to do anything to distract her from thinking about it and the smell of it and the feel of its wings after it flew over her. She tries to persuade Alice to let her help prepare for Calamai. And the next day, she didn't see Lucian or Tamlin all day. The sound of drums issued, and she stared over the gardens, feeling very upset that she wasn't invited. Tamlin appears in the hallway where she is, and he's shirtless and headed to Kalanmai, and he tells her that he has to partake in the great rite as High Lord. Then he orders her to her chambers and tells her to lock her doors and set up a snare, not to come out until morning. She does what he says, but then the drum beats are urging her to go see. She takes the horse, and the horse follows the sound of the drums. There are hundreds of fae around, and she was met with shadows with some shadows like a glamour of some kind that had been put over them to prevent her from viewing them properly she followed the hills and entered a hollow to find a cave the exterior decorated but she still doesn't know why she's banned from this thing then someone grabs her arm and it's two fairies that flanked this other fairy um they said that they wanted some fire night fun with a human she starts to beg them to leave her alone and they say after the right they'll have some fun they start touching her and she starts to fight back against right. them but then hands grab her this person says there you are i've been looking for you he slipped his arm around her shoulders and tells the fairies thank you for finding her for me and they're scared and then she turns around to thank the man after the fairies leave super quickly and she's like he is the most beautiful man i've ever seen comment here was uh-oh <laughs> because before this tamlin was the most beautiful man she had ever seen but now we have someone who tops that i cringe first time reading that like for the chapter to end like that's literally the last line in the chapter was standing before me was the most beautiful man i'd ever seen and she goes on about it what in yeah <laughs> did it kind of feel like okay Especially for you, first time reading it. Like you said, Tamlin before was the most beautiful man she'd ever seen. Yuck. <laughs> like, I, could, I could not get through this fast enough. <laughs> My first time reading this through, I was thinking whenever I saw this part, we're going to see this man again. Oh, I was absolutely. Kind of like, how dare you? Right. Like, I knew something was up. Like, at, at first, I was yeah. like, oh, this is, this is the one. 
because mm-hmm. you don't just call the most beautiful man you've ever seen while you're with the most beautiful man that you apparently have ever seen. You know, like it doesn't just switch that fast. Y'all were both team Lucian though, so uh <laughs> Listen, I think Lucian, like Ariel said in the last podcast, could get it. <laughs> <laughs> okay chapter 21 so she knows that that guy was high fae and again the description we get is short dark black hair pale skin blue eyes violet even and he looked like he was molded from night itself he wasn't wearing a mask either so obviously he's from a different court he asks what a human is doing in the spring court on fire night and she just says that her friends brought her but then he like keeps asking questions and she knows he's very arrogant She's still sticking, like, the friend story, saying that they are her fairy friends, and he's like... He knows she's lying. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, and yet they abandoned you on fire night before the great rite? Okay. And then he offers to escort her somewhere, but then she's like, no. And before he can leave, she then asks him if he's a part of the spring court, and he's like, do I look like I'm part of the spring court? (laughs) Ariel laughed out loud at that when she was listening to it. Like, she just starts chuckling, and she goes, <laughs> do, I do I look like I belong here? <laughs> yeah, like, you obviously just said, um, you're, he's not wearing a mask, so you know he's not part of this court. And then you have the nerve to say, are you from the spring it's court? Like he knows they're all uglier than him. He's the most beautiful man okay. she's ever seen. He looks like he's made from night itself. Mm. Like, how do you feel about this, Thomas? Mm. <laughs> Yum. Uh, anyway, she asks why he's there, and he says because all monsters have been let out of their cages tonight. She hurries back to where she was before, and then Lucian finds her there, and she orders, uh, he orders her back to the manor and drops her on the floor. He says that the great right is when Tamlin will allow the magic to seize his control to find him a maiden to breed with. It won't really be Tamlin, but he will be his magic. She asks who the maiden is, and then Lucian says he doesn't know. He'll make his way to the cave, and then a bunch of fairy females will be waiting to be chosen. Lucian then says that she's lucky he found her, because if if Tamlin would have smelled her and claimed her, it would have been... (laughs) 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 It wouldn't have been Tamlin that brought her into that cave, and he doesn't think that she would have liked it, because it wasn't a night for lovemaking. (laughs) Lucian... (laughs) Lucian goes back to try to control Tamlin for whenever he smells Feyre's scent outside. She she is kind of turned on by the fact that he has some feral part of him that wants her. And then she goes to sleep, and then a magic sweeps past her, and she knows that some girl has been chosen, and then the drums stop. And then she goes out into the hallway and into the kitchen to eat. She goes to turn around, and then a voice stops her. It's Tamlin. And his chest is painted, and there are smudges in paint showing her where he had been touched. She's kind of upset about it, too. And then he grabs her before she can leave and says he smelled her and went looking for her. And it upset him that he couldn't get to her. He's really mad about it. And then he says he would have been gentle with her. (laughs) He pins her up against the wall. And, like, she's smiling and saying... He's smiling and saying gross things. And then she says something rude. And then he bites her neck. And she's into it. (laughs) 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 Grinding up 
against him. <laughs> and then he backs away and says, don't ever disobey me again. And then she slaps him. <laughs> Let's talk about it. They do it, right? No, 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 no. They no, no, don't? No. They don't? no, she walks away. I read that whole thing. As he, no. They went for it. Like, he no, went no, no, she it. just... She just grinded up against him, and then he bites her neck and steps back and is like, don't ever disobey me again. And then she slaps him, and then she walks away. So in this chapter, he mentions, you weren't there. I would have chosen you. Right, and then the whole time he was like, you're not invited. Yeah, which is it, buddy? No, 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 no. He's not mad that she wasn't there. He's mad because she was there and he smelled her there. So that's what he tells her. He's like, I smelled you, but you weren't there kind of thing. Like her scent being there at all distracted him. From his his uh, requirement to breed. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, I don't Thomas? understand the whole premise. So, <laughs> so it's kind of like um, when you think of like, like, um, yeah. Yeah, I can't describe it. <laughs> no, uh, the first thing that came to mind was cult, but like that's not the idea here. But like, like old societies, like they would sacrifice like an animal or something as a way to like replenish the earth and we'll have good crops and like, you know, that kind of idea. So it's that idea of returning magic to the earth. They just fuck to, uh, to create magic. Gotcha. And it's only the high fate. Yeah, so it's only Tamlin that, like, does the ritual part of it. So all of these women come hoping to get into, They don't watch. It's not like he takes her into a cave. But all of these women come hoping to be chosen by the High Lord to be the maiden. And then afterwards, it's just like a huge sex party because all of these other women who weren't chosen want to fuck. And all of these other male fairies come to take their pick of these girls. Wait, wait, wait. So do you think he has children? Ew. Stop. No. No, because, like, the whole purpose is because, like, younglings are hard to produce. And he's he's had been doing this for 500 years. There are children's books in the study. Yeah, she was wondering what <gasps> the children's books were. Stop. 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 Nope. I'm not mm. engaging <laughs> with this theory. I think he has kids. Um, so Wait, well, this is the first time I get really annoyed with Lucian, though, because when he finds her, he's like, idiot, human fool, you stupid mortal. Hasn't anyone told you what fire night is? And it's like, um, no, bro, you didn't. No one told her what this is. Listen, I'm just a picky prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> All you guys sellers just stay locked up, stay in your room. But like no one explains anything to her. And then they get mad when she doesn't know things in this new world that she has no idea about. And they're just out there banging. They get mad at her for the things she doesn't know. Chapter 22, the next day, she has a hickey on her neck, obviously. And as punishment, she doesn't cover it up. Uh, she wants to. He, she wants him to see it. She sits in front of Lucian instead of Tamlin. Like, why, first of all? And then they are staring at the bruise. And then whenever they finally ask, she's like, ask him. He did it. And Tamlin is like, yup, I bet her. She disobeyed me. The fuck kind of punishment is that? I'm just going to start biting people every time they start disobeying me? No. Wait, I want to interject here. This chapter starts with the line, I awoke when the sun was high after tossing and turning all night empty and aching (laughs) gag on a stick right there 
And then after he says, yep, I bit her, she disobeyed me. It's like, what a way to blame the woman for your lack of control. And then he was so mad at her in this moment, too, saying that he's holding her accountable for leaving when when he had said that she wasn't invited. Then she calls him a pig, but it makes her happy that Tamlin is being this way. Like, the old Tamlin is back. Um, Later, he brings her a bouquet of flowers and apologizes. The next morning, Feyre agrees to wear a dress, and Alice does her hair and makeup, and then, of course, she's, like, the most beautiful person ever. Um, And then whenever she gets to dinner, they can't stop looking at her. And and then Feyre complains that Tamlin is too far away after Lucian leaves them alone, and so he magically cuts the table in half (laughs) and brings them close together. And then she says she has something for him, a painting, and then she takes him to the painting, and he points over to a different painting, says he wants that one instead. <laughs> and she says, I painted this for you. And he's like, I want the other one. <laughs> um, after that moment, uh, they discuss the painting, and she asks how she can help with the masks. And he says that there is nothing he wants her to do, nothing she can do or anyone can do. It's his burden to bear. Then he mentions lovers he's had, and she gets jealous, but then he says that she reminds him that he's not alone. What painting did she want him to have originally? It was of the Glen. Oh, yeah, yeah, but he picks the one of, like, her human woods where she's the hunt instead. Because it makes him sad. Like, she's like, this reminds me of you because it's happy, and you make me happy. <laughs> he says, this reminds me of you because it makes me sad. <laughs> okay. Chapter 23, the next day, Tamlin and Farah are outside laying in the grass, and he says something about the willow singing him to sleep, and he says that he can make her see things around him like he does for a price, and that price is a kiss, and she agrees to her own surprise. I hate that. I hate that saying, like, to my own surprise, I agree. She wasn't surprised. No, that bitch wasn't surprised. She was thinking about this in the middle of her sleep, aching. Yeah. <laughs> like... You want you were grinding up against him when he bit your neck. Nah, you. It was not surprising. I was not shocked. <laughs> um, he kisses her eyelids, and then everything becomes so much clearer. Everything is magic, and then it was Tamlin that she had. It was the Tamlin that she dreamed of. Like he became even more devastatingly handsome. Apparently, still not the most beautiful man in the world. Then he stopped her from seeing that version of himself to look normal again, and then he asks for his price of the kiss, and then she quickly just reaches up, ki- like, kisses his hand, and then she falls asleep. Do you know the reason she falls asleep? I don't know, because it's very... It's like she gets knocked yeah, out. He, yeah. He does that to her? I don't know. Like, there's not a reason for him to that makes sense to me to understand what happens here. Is it magic, you think? Like, that much magic on her human mind is just exhausting, so it's like she falls asleep? Oh, maybe. No, I don't know because, like, in the next chapter, she continues to. Or sleep. like, she's just that peaceful around him that it's just like, let's take a nap real quick. Or let's, uh... the willows are singing that great. Yeah, I don't know. I remember, like, I think that too, and I just I don't have a reason for. But it's like she gets knocked out because it's like this whole thing is like. Yeah, it's very similar to like their trip to the wall when she's on the horse and just like, you know, like falls asleep. And he's like calling to it too. He's like talking yeah. to her. Is she just overwhelmed? I have maybe no it is clue. a thing because she said something about the magic being taxing on Tamlin. So maybe mm. it's mentally taxing for her. 
know. Also, Mal, you are making fun of Farah and the to my surprise, which like I'll agree with that point. I think Tamlin's cute in this moment when he just kisses her eyelids. He's like, it'll cost you a kiss and then kisses her eyes. No, 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 but that cute. wasn't his price. He wanted her she to kiss him. Yeah, well, she still does, but still. Chapter 24, she wakes up and sees a woman that she doesn't recognize, and she's like, where's Alice? It is Alice. The glamours are gone now, and the once empty hallways are now bustling with masked fairies. And then that tells us that she had an audience around her this whole time when she was out and about sneaking around, thinking that she was alone. No, no, no. There were fairies watching her. She just couldn't see them. Um, Tamlin explains it all away, saying that he's keeping her safe, basically, and then he says that the blight is growing again. The next morning, a head is found in the garden, spiked on a fountain statue. Tamlin and Lucian come outside, and they see that this person has branded behind the, its ear a mountain with three stars, um, which is from the night court. It's supposed to be humorous in the message. They... <laughs> That uh, they can get in and out of the Supreme Court's defenses without consequence. They say it's a prank. She remembers what the serial said and doesn't really worry because she's just supposed to stay with the High Lord. So as long as she stays with the High Lord, she's safe, right? But that day, she couldn't bring herself to paint. And that's how chapter 24 ends. She describes Tamlin as a soft, vicious growl laced his words, but no claws pricked my skin as he kept gripping me. Which was like control to his anger issues everywhere else it's like is he learning to control himself like is this uh like what's the point of noting out that his claws aren't here in this moment whereas she's constantly noticing them everywhere else because it's just a prank bro (laughs) (laughs) fuck that fairy (laughs) (laughs) it's just like yeah that's so funny there is a head on a spike (laughs) lol guys and she's like, holy fuck. Oh, well, I'm safe. You're just going to skim over that fact? Like, what the hell? I also want to talk about how she's just now seeing all of the fairies surrounding her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, no, I just had them invisible before. Did, okay. Like, how did they all know that? Because did they, they just think she was, like, rude as hell? <laughs> like, not acknowledging them? <laughs> or, like, I like that Um, she's like, so that night that I thought I was sneaking out and, like, being super stealthy, he's like, yeah, no, everybody was watching you. <laughs> Yeah, like, what about doorways? Like, people are have, to, have to be, like, opening and closing doors and shit. She just thinks it's haunted. With those, <laughs> with those spiked heads, you know? I don't know, it's just a prank. Uh, <laughs> chapter 25, Tamlin leaves for the borders right after, but he didn't give her any details. He didn't come back home, but Lucian told her he was still alive. Everything is feeling much darker in this chapter. The next day, she wakes up to fiddling it's the summer solstice <laughs> i'm sorry she wakes up to fiddles fiddling is it it's a mean fiddle it's out there saying like you stupid bitch that's what it's calling to her that's how mean it is um <laughs> but it's <laughs> it's the summer solstice so we went from winter to spring to summer Everyone seems more spirited. Tamlin is still gone, but Tamlin comes back, and him and Lucian are joking around. No one cares about that goddamn head, you know? It's just a prank. Alice dresses Feyre again, and Lucian says that she looks fey because she looks so beautiful. Tamlin calls her lovely, and the summer solstice celebration is singing, dancing, and excessive drinking. She was invited this time. 
and there was a lot of food, music, and a smoking bonfire. She ate alone in a corner, thinking about her next painting, and then she goes to the wine, and Lucian says she shouldn't drink it. Despite him, she drinks it. But, like, what happened to that rule she had that was, like, oh, if you eat or drink fairy wine, you'll be enslaved. Mm-hmm. Suddenly that doesn't matter anymore. Like, you could eat the food, but then, like, you're like, oh, I'm gonna drink the wine, even though he's telling me not to drink the wine. I think she just realized it's not true. Like, she's been eating and drinking this entire time. She's just, she's, she's down bad for these fairies, though. Like, she, she's all for it. She's like, what's the quickest way for me to bang? You know, like, <laughs> how can I get a bang for my buck out here as a picky prisoner? You know, like, gets drunk and she starts dancing around. And Lucian gets mad, like, you idiot. Tamlin will kill me if he finds out. But then she doesn't care. She's, like, dancing more until she ends up in front of the fiddlers. Guess who's one of those mean fiddlers? Tamlin. <laughs> and Tamlin doesn't stop playing. And then he takes her somewhere, and it's like a meadow. He does stop playing for this moment, obviously. He takes her somewhere. <laughs> it's a meadow with shimmering shapes called Spirits of Air and Light. And then he dances with her. And then he's, like, touching on her, whispering her name, and she tells him to kiss her. And he does. And she's like, no, more. <laughs> and then she says that she didn't believe there was a better world out there until now. And then he kisses her again, and it's the happiest moment of her life. What a sad fucking life (laughs) for you to get all happy over a mean fiddler. This is my favorite Fair and Tamlin moment. And I know, like, you're going to dog on Tamlin, but I love, like, the image of the celebration and him playing the fiddle. And, like, the way that she goes up and is, like, dancing in front of him and stuff. And, like, he gets up and kneels at her feet, like, playing the fiddle and stuff for her to dance. It's just cute. I think it's a cute moment. I'm sorry. If a man fiddled in front of me... (laughs) (laughs) poor word choice you cannot tell me you don't have a thing for musicians i don't i don't think so obviously sorry if you if you break down with a fiddle in front of me i'm just turning around and acting like you don't exist so my biggest complaint about this book is it's like she hates him one night is in love with him the next night but this is kind of the first time you get an idea of how much time is passing in these chapters because when she's going to drink the fairy wine and Lucian tells her not to, she recalls a memory of him, like, giving her drugs to do or whatever he calls them. I don't know what berries. they're in that world. Yeah. yeah, like the magic berries and stuff. And she says Tamlin got so mad he threw Lucian into the lake. Like, stuff like that are cute, funny moments that it's like you're not seeing everything that happens in between them, you know? Yeah, it's also rushed. It's like trying to solve things. Yeah. That- I don't know. It's just like, here's a problem and it's like immediately solved the next chapter. You don't get any of that build up or or how they solve it. You just know that it is solved. Chapter 26, the next day Lucian says that he knows they didn't come back until dawn. And then they are actively being sexual in front of Lucian and Lucian is gagging. And then Lucian dampens the mood with a letter from the Winter Court saying that two dozen of the Winter, Winter Court's younglings have been wiped out by this blight. The Night Court manages to be unscathed though then something comes through the house and tamlin orders Feyre behind the curtain and orders lucian to stand in front of her and he glamours her behind lucian and then someone walks in this person has no mask it's the guy from calamai his name is resand or reese as they call him and he's there to check up on tamlin and see if they got his present the head We learn that the last few days must be nice compared to Under the Mountain, 
and how he is surprised that the last 49 years, Tamlin has not attempted to save himself or his lands. Then Lucian calls Reese and Marantha's whore, and he says he has his reasons for doing what he does, and then we learn that this guy is the High Lord of the Night Court. Then Reese tells him that she's preparing for him. He sees the table that's set for three, and he asks where the other guest is, and then suddenly she's unglamored, and then he remembers her. Lucian lies and says that Feyre is his betrothed, and Tamlin tells Reese to leave. Then Reese says that she should have left while she could, and then he realizes that she doesn't even know what's going on. Then something goes into her mind, and it feels like um, talons against her head, like against her brain. Um, he says that she has very delicious thoughts about Tamlin. And then Tamlin begs Reese not to tell Amarantha about her. He actually gets on his hands and knees and begs. Lucian, too. Then he asks for her name, and she knows she couldn't give him her real name, so she gives him Claire Better, which is one of the village friends of her sisters, and then Rhysand leaves. In chapter 27, Tamlin orders her and Lucian to leave and shut the door, and then he destroys the entire dining room. Um, she doesn't go to dinner that night, but she can hear his anger, and then Tamlin finds her and apologizes, and then Tamlin says that he is sending her home. He says that he's taken on her debt, and if anyone asks, he'll take the responsibility for Andrus's death. She wants to know if she did something wrong. He says that she didn't do anything wrong, but that she has to go because if anyone found out about her, they would hurt her. And that she would be safer home. So Rhysand, Lucian keeps calling Rhysand Amarantha's whore. Like, he's pretty much her lackey kind of thing. So he's just going to go back to this super villainous person that we now know is named Amarantha and tell her that Farah exists, basically. So Tamlin's like, oh no, they're going to come for you, they're going to kill you, I'm sending you away. And then he says that she'll be safer home, and he says that he that she can't hold her own because he can't. He says that when she gets back, don't tell anyone the truth and let them believe the glamour. She begs him to just tell her what's going on, and he doesn't. She says that she wants to stay and help him, but he says there's no debating. She's not to help. She asks how long she would have to go away for, and he admits he doesn't know. Then they do it. <laughs> um, and he roars in climax. <laughs> like, imagine someone roaring in climax. Like, no thanks. No thanks. I would tell them to get out. Like, undo that. So no roaring and purring for Mal. Got it. Yeah, please, no. No fiddling. <laughs> no roaring. No purring. You know, let's just get it done. um and then when they wake up he tells her that she's leaving tomorrow and he says that he loves her thorns and all wait no the first time he says it is after they do it and then she's falling asleep and he whispers it to her like he doesn't even say it to her as she's awake same thing yeah it matters later wait for me to make these arguments later anyway chapter 28 there really aren't any farewells Lucian finds out, and he's so mad that Tamlin is sending her away without giving it a few more days. She says that the paintings Tamlin can have, and he basically says again that he loves her. And then he shuts the door, and she feels like she should be saying that she loves him too, but she doesn't say anything, and the carriage moves. Then she gets home, and she is taken to a chateau with white marble and emerald roofs. She doesn't recognize the home, but she recognizes her sister's. Her sisters are wearing fancy dresses, 
And then they are so confused to see Feyre. Like, this is their new home. They went from that shack to this huge chateau. Um, Nesta greets her, says that the aunt must have left Feyre all of her fortune. And Feyre lies and says that, yes, the aunt has died. And then she asks, what happened? Why are they rich again? And Elaine reveals that they had found the ships. And people had come before that to ask their father's help and investment, which doubled because of him. And then she realized that this is all what Tamlin has done for them. He had made them rich again. <coughs> Nesta didn't marry Thomas Mandry, after all. Elaine talked and talked, but Nesta didn't say a word. All Farrah could think about is the fact that she didn't tell Tamlin that she loved him. And that she wasn't staying with the High Lord like the serial had said. Why do you think she didn't say it? Serious. Don't give me. No, no, no. I think, <laughs> Don't give me your joke. I think she was not going to say it. Because she was like, I'll have time to say it again to him whenever I get back to him. Mm. That was my thought. It's like, I'll tell him whenever I come back. So that she's like, I have to come back. Do you think he meant it when he said it? No. No? I don't think so. No, I think he just got some pussy. And but then he said it. That's why I think it's <laughs> like good. That's with why it. I think it's important that he s- he whispered it when he thought she was sleeping. No, no, no. I think he says it so that I can't say. I know, but I don't. I don't think I agree with that. You think he means it though, Ariel? I do I want to believe in it? Yeah. Chapter twenty nine. Feyre found it easy to lie about the stories with a fake aunt. And Feyre had come back home with loads of jewels, so her father went and took inventory of them. He finally had a purpose again and was actively working. Elaine had the most wonderful garden now, because remember, she loves gardening. And then Elaine says that as soon as they became rich again, people just acted like they were friends, like nothing had even happened. Like This was just a small sickness, and then they got better and everyone came back. And then Elaine reveals that Nesta is denying every invitation of the season, and that she hardly talks to anyone. Then Elaine says that Nesta went to see Feyre, but only got turned away after her carriage broke down halfway there. Which is important. Because Nesta is not the one. She is not the one who would go after Feyre. Not the ones that we would think would go after Feyre. But she went to go find her sister in Prithian. Um, and then they say that Feyre never got any of the letters that they had sent her. Elaine says that she looks different and asks... Did you meet someone? Uh, days pass, and Farah still keeps remembering Tamlin telling her he loved him. He loved her. So, chapter thirty. Farah went around the village and gave her money out to those who had helped her in the past. She sees Thomas Mandre like the bitch she is, and then she sees Isaac, and he's married now. <laughs> they are having a ball for Farah's return, but Farah is only thinking about what happens when the blight crosses the wall. And then Farah encounters Nesta, and she's as cold as ever. She asks Nesta about coming after her, and we learn that Nesta remembers everything. She was not affected by the glamour, nor did she take to the glamouring. She had hired a mercenary to help her come after Farah. And then Nesta says that she decided not to marry Thomas Mandry because she knew he would not have gone with her to Prithian to save Farah. Then she tells Nesta everything. She teaches Nesta then how to paint, and it's miserable. Nesta says that there are days when she's super angry with her father because he let them starve to death. Nesta says that she knows that Feyre would not would do anything to save her high lord, and Feyre says that she would have. 
And that is how chapter 30 ends. I love that we get to hear more from Nesta. Um, She becomes a round character with with more qualities in this chapter. Um, And they actually form like a sisterly bond after talking. Yeah, I definitely would not have expect, expected Nesta to go after And neither did Pharaoh. She was like, of course my no. father didn't come after me. But Nesta does have that will. She is that mentally strong. I cannot, Nesta did not redeem herself this early on for me. No, not at all. Not at all. No. I mean, I still thought she's a bitch, you know, but like at the same time, it's just so unexpected of this character to have gone, like, been willing to go into Prithian, which is dangerous to humans, to save her sister. I like when Nesta tells her, I think your home is somewhere very far away, that, like, Prithian's her home now. Mm-hmm. Like, Pharaoh. Yeah, because, I mean, they even notice different things about Pharaoh. Like, she's coming across differently, but she's in love, and she finally thinks there's, like, a better world out there, you know? Because, like, she met this guy who's, like, a musician, and, like... <laughs> He's so dangerous, and he has anger issues, so it's like daddy issues as well. Oh, my God. Ariel, I forgot early on reading it, you were like, I feel like Isaac's going to come back. I think Isaac's going to come back. Were you, like, waiting for him to go save Farrah? Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to go into Prithian. No, he just gets married and is happy. <laughs> he does nothing. <laughs> he does nothing. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and TikTok at B Word Pod.